I'm Albert Jamie, and you're listening to the new and improved podcast. So I Googled, could a good church become a cult? That's what I Googled. And a five-part video popped up with books. And one thing led to another. Before you know it, I'm starting to read a whole bunch in the month of November. And as I'm reading, it's just like, this is exactly what we're in. Welcome to part two and the conclusion of Terry and Victory's journey. If you missed part one, I highly recommend that you stop this right now and get the full backstory on exactly how they got to this point. This is the conclusion to their story as they talk about their breaking points and the eventual intervention that gave them the power to leave the grips of the cult. So crack a Pellegrino, grab some popcorn, and enjoy the conclusion of Victory and Terry's journey. a lot of single women there right and there was a group that met with um with stan on a regular basis um kind of like his inner circle and they were all women and at one point i was kind of a part of that but he also would have like sometimes all of the young single girls would come to his house and we would have meetings and we would watch things like the first 48 dateline um just different documentary shows basically now that I see now to instill fear in us, to keep us um, just so tight knit within this group. Did it work? Yes. Like when you're watching like Dateline first 48, Mm -hmm. were you kind of going, man, this is interesting. Or are you like, holy man, I don't want that to be me. Oh, it was super interesting. It's good. It's good TV, right? It's awesome. (laughs) We were talking about how you watch two minutes of Dateline, you're in for the next two hours. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter if it's in the background, you're doing dishes. You literally have to just go, yeah. okay, my night's done. Well, yeah. and I think a lot of us, would, you'd kind of be pumped for an evening of watching TV, but then after you were done, it would be 11 o'clock at night and we would then like hash it out. We'd discuss what we just watched. and Saying that all husbands yeah. will kill you. Basically. Well, yeah. Yeah. Like Stan Guys would. Guys are bad out there. Yeah. And. Even though he's a guy who's married and has kids, I'm assuming. Or? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so he would even tell us stories about people that he knew who. Um, they were a married couple and this man started like, I think, yeah, just abusing her or she had to wear a dog collar on the house. And then eventually she left him and then he was stalking her and how police found in the back of his vehicle, all of these different types of just restraining devices. And he would tell us those, or we would watch, yeah, Dateline about these stalker husbands. Or, um, at one point we watched, um, the documentary of... Cole Simpson and who's OJ OJ yes and which is actually really good yeah it's yeah it's entertainment but just the way that he used it right and um so by then like you were fully bought in that this mm -hmm. is going to happen so if you just saw me on the street and we had an interaction you would think this man's going to kill me if I start dating him. Oh, I, no. no I, it, it wouldn't have been that, that crazy. No, okay. no. <laughs> but there was a lot of you go everywhere in pairs. Mm-hmm. Anytime that you always lock your vehicle, you know, because every time a bad thing happened, you'd, in comparison in real life, it, it's actually very similar to social media, right? You just see what, like, you'll hear about 
something that happens in Florida where a kid will die in their crib of something happens and every it feels as though every kid in North America is in danger of swallowing <laughs> a piece of Lego, right? Yeah. But the truth is it just happened. And it's the exact same thing except a microcosm of that at yeah. Lamb of God. So we felt like every time something bad happened in the world, we would talk about it so much, whether it was like another mass shooting, another whatever, that we'd talk about it and hash it out for so many hours that it felt like it was happening all around us all the time. I know what that means, that feeling's like. I was thinking about being a child and I was telling my friend the other day that when you're younger, the schools kind of talk about certain things over and over. And as a child, I thought there's some things in my life that I was always going to be having to look out for. Mm. Rattlesnakes yeah. and quicksand. Because <laughs> like, they were always in stories. And rattlesnakes, you would always hear about them. And you'd go to like nature centers and they'd show you the skin yeah. and they'd tell you. But in my life, I've never come across a rattlesnake <laughs> in all my nature travels. Yeah. Ever. But for some reason, when you're a kid and tornadoes, you're like, well... Uh-huh. I'm going to be battling this for the rest of my life. <laughs> yeah. So he's, he, I can tell, I can understand how with repetition, yeah. that is mm-hmm. something that you'd end up believing. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, because going back, there was, and it comes back to this group think, right? Like a teaching came, um, and like, I don't even know how to describe it. Like with singleness, Terry, like how did... Oh, like okay. you so, explain this better, even though you're not a woman. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, Man, explain right? it to us, Terry. <laughs> I got to watch it from afar. Yeah, exactly. I so, how anything there. would come at Lamb of God would be first. There's a teaching about um, something of the Bible, or or it would get talked about, or things would get talked about. Maybe holiness, or what God wants of us, just in generalities. Okay, then the mic gets opened up. And what would happen as the years went on is Stan would, we didn't know this all the time, and then eventually we knew it and it just didn't matter, but Stan would have pre-meetings with people. So there'd be, we built, we eventually rented a big building, a different one. We, we were in one building, then moved to one over uh, on Hanselman Avenue. That's where it still is today. Mm-hmm. And um, so we have this big building and we meet there and there's a, and everything had a name, right? So the Alpha and Omega Room. And... And it, Stan is in there. He has his own chair. Oh, this mm-hmm. is the more. I mm-hmm. This is gonna sound really bad because it is. Yep. But <laughs> so eventually, as time goes on, <laughs> these things get built, and this more and more, and it's just how far we got into it, right? Fast forward, and now we're talking seventy years, and a room gets built called the Alpha and Omega Room. Of course, we we work on all these rooms. The guys do, yeah. and then women do their own thing and set up stuff. There's Clean like, them. Yeah. Oh yeah. There's the crystal in there and that. like nice glasses, all this stuff. Then there's a bunch of normal chairs, and then Stan has a big leather chair. Same thing nice. in the it's a in really the really nice chair. Same thing in the meetings. <laughs> at the front, what the front looks like in our sanctuary is a big desk, nice desk with a. Um, nice office chair, and that's where Stan sits there and speaks whoop, speaks yeah. from there, right? And then in the corner, he's got a big leather chair. And so he speaks for a while, and then he goes over to the corner and sits in his leather chair, and we all sit in normal whatever, like, yeah. church chairs. And then he'll open the mic, but before the meeting, we would show up at 7.30 for a meeting, and the meeting doesn't necessarily start when you show up. You never know when it starts. So you walk in, you go sit in the sanctuary, music is just playing. You could sit there for 15 minutes 
or for an hour and 15 minutes. And meanwhile, he's in the alpha room with whoever he called in there to meet with, with the door closed. And so you sit there for that hour and 15 minutes and you have no idea when he comes out there if he's going to be yelling at everybody, if he's going to be making jokes and like Mm -hmm. punching people in the shoulder and joking around, or if he's just going to start the music and start singing. You have no idea. And so what you learn over time, those of us who are there long enough and thought this way, not everybody thinks this way, but like for me, I started to just read people. And so you watch their face. I knew the certain people that can't control their emotions and show it on their face. And so I'd watch for those people when they came out of the alpha room to get a gauge on, is he ticked? Is this going to be a bad one? Are we all going to get called up and yelled at? Because you could be sitting there and all of a sudden stands at the front talking, or he may come out and just start yelling right away when he comes out. Like screaming, yelling. Yeah. And if it's my day, which lots of the time it was my day, um, it'd be like, front row, stand up. So there was assigned seating, of course. So yeah, I forgot about that. You got the whole board. And every, yeah, there was before a whole the meeting, board. set up the seating. There was a yeah. whole board yeah. with numbers on it and magnets. And before the meeting, people would move your names yeah. around and stuff. Yeah. And so you would show up and you just look at the board to see where you sit mm-hmm. that day. If you're front row, you're like, oh shit, I'm, I'm getting called up. Well, not so necessarily not because the front row but... is just the front row. And then mm-hmm. he comes out and he'll say, front row, go stand in the hall. They get up and stand. And then he'll be like, Terry, Jackie, you know, if it's our day. <laughs> And you go sit in the front and you're in the hot seat and you're... It and sounds like a terrible hockey game. Everybody in <laughs> section B today is going to get scolded. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, except you're not winning pizzas. Yeah. You're, you're not getting little Caesars. No. Yeah. So, that, so that's what I mean. So we're always on edge. And then even as years went on, meetings were on certain nights. Mm-hmm. But eventually they weren't certain nights anymore. They were just whenever a meeting got called. So you're just on call to go all the time. Mm-hmm. Well, you'd just drive in when you had to. Yeah, well, you, it's not like it'd be right before the odd time, though. We were at, uh, Jackie and I were out for supper one night on a date, going to go to supper in a movie in Kinnersley, and we're sitting at Red Line, and an emergency meeting gets called in Saskatoon, which they started to, if you follow Jim Jones at all, you know Jim like Jones? Drink the Kool-Aid. Oh, yeah. yeah. Totally. The, the so if you massacre. look at their mm-hmm. history, what they called them was White Knights. So they did the same thing where they'd have these white nights and they'd set off an alarm and you're basically just like, it's like a shock collar, right? Every time you hear emergency meeting, your Mm -hmm. adrenaline starts going and away you go. So we're sitting down. We ordered our food at Red Lion Chinese Food Place in in Kindersley. We get a phone call and it's like emergency meeting. We left before our food even showed up. So somebody phones you, nobody's texting you. No, oh, no. Oh, no, we have phone trees. So when a message goes out, you could <laughs> see this. Yeah, the more you talk, the more it, phone trees. That doesn't sound super weird. What, yeah, what, until what? you time it all so that we would time it to see how quick we get a message out to oh, the whole group. And so if Stan had something that he had to send out, they literally ran drills. Oh, where so he would wait till the last person phones him and goes, well, that went through 17 people. And well, yeah, they timed it to see how long it would take. So. Everybody knew that when you got a call, you know who you call next. He's waiting for... That's a doomsday exercise right there. Oh, yeah. We were ready. Phone trees. Mm -hmm. So if you got it, would they... Okay, I just want to go through this. (laughs) What would be said during the test? (laughs) Oh, it... I don't know. I did it a couple times. I don't know. I was never a part of the actual timing of it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe I was in it, it was maybe like a time. real message that was going out. Like there's a meeting on Saturday oh. night or something. Yeah. Okay, he just wants to see it. Yeah. It, wasn't okay. like, it wasn't like something like... No, but quick, we... 
la- the lazy dog jumps over the brown. <laughs> yeah, no, it wasn't like that. But there would be an email sent out and a phone call just to make sure every, mm-hmm. or it might be like, just check your email. An email just went out. Yeah. Uh-huh. And oh. then as time went on, Stan started writing long emails. Like I'm talking Rants. pages on oh, pages yeah. and would send them out. So like you're at work and you get an email and you see it's from Stan and you, you might be busy at work and you're just trying to figure out how can I get to the bathroom or somewhere or my truck or something so I can read this. It's hard to mm-hmm. switch gears, I'm sure, from like your work self to your like Lamb of God self. Right? Yeah, but then like as years went on, you just get used to it and you get better at it, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. And like there's times where like I'm in a position at work where I'm in charge of crews or whatever and I'm out talking to people, setting up a job site and my phone rings. I see it stand, go to my vehicle, pick up the phone and... As soon as I pick up the phone, he's screaming at me. About what? Just whatever I'm in trouble for that time. Maybe it was like, you name it. I've gotten trouble for everything. And at this point, there's no sign of. I guess this this is kind of like Stockholm syndrome, where you are okay with your. Yeah, you just get used to Mm -hmm. it. But you still think at a certain point at your peak, you're being emotionally abused. But at the same time, you still think that this is the right decision for you to be in. Yeah, yeah, because because. We're telling you about all the, the hard things. Yeah. You have to remember that, that let's say if we meet together for 40 hours in a week, that's maybe five hours of it. But maybe. The Probably third, not even. The yeah, other is all. 90% is still with the people that you love. It's like mm-hmm. family. So, yeah. And, you're, and but, on a Sunday, you're hanging out and you're, you're outside. You bring your food for lunch and you sit outside and the kids play hopscotch. And, yeah, and it sounds like the group... And community itself is very tight and and kind of likes the same thing, but minus the the leader, it sounds like a pretty decent group of people. Well, like in the group, nobody in the group really <clears throat> would yell at each other or stuff like oh, that. that. No. So it seems no, like it was get, everybody no. was super kind to one another. Yeah. But you also the thing that you realize, like when we left the group, like Jackie and I made the decision to leave, we lost all those friends instantly. So. Yes, when you're in the group, everybody's really good to one another mm-hmm. and you got each other's back. Like when we moved to Delisle from Dodsland, you have never seen the amount of help that we've had with a move. Like we're talking a hundred people involved, mm-hmm. willing to give up their entire Saturday, Sunday, Monday. Like they would have given up a whole week so to a lot move of us. Okay, so these are yeah. people coming from all over to just come help you guys. Oh yeah, like mm-hmm. they came and they, and that was, that was in leaving, that was one of the hardest things is like, you feel like you owe these people. And they were my friends, right? And it's like, especially us, we moved to Delisle in 2014. And we were only there. And really a big reason that we moved closer to the city was to be part of this, right? Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. And then then everything hits the fan. Like, And for me, it went up to a whole nother level. Like when I was close to the city, I didn't realize how much freedom I had out where I was just by not being in the vicinity. And then when the pressure started to get, like when things started to happen that were really affecting my kids, then that's when I it started to bother me, right? Where my kids couldn't play sports anymore. That wasn't allowed. No. But before then, it was always these like suggestions. Everything was called a suggestion. So it's like, you don't have to do this. But like when my kids were younger, I played hockey. My kids would have played hockey. That's just the way it would have been. Yeah. But... What got talked about was, you could put your kids in hockey, that's fine. But think about, if you have them in hockey, what are your weekends going to look like? You're not going to be able to be here on Sundays. You're not going to be able to... 
you know, and Stan actually met with me one day for like three hours over at the forestry farm. Got me to come in, you know, if you want, everything was like, if you want, I got, do you have a day off this week? Yeah. I said, I have Friday off, whatever. Well, if you wanted to, I'd love to meet with you on Thursday. And it was an honor for Stan to meet with you. I was going to say, if he had like one-on-one time, is that kind of like boss time? It's like, oh, getting FaceTime with the management? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Like it was, it was definitely nerve wracking, I think for everyone. But you but know, it was it's also good for my longstanding reputation. In, and it's also, group, right? like, and lots of time it was really good because yeah. he is, and he, he's an older guy, right? So advice and mm-hmm. advice and the sponsor thing, same thing. And he right. thought, he, were you guys believing that he was some sort of prophet too? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. So you felt like this is, and do you believe that now or no? No. Mm-mm. Okay. No. no, but everybody, so about the hockey thing, we met at the fort, you know, come in and meet. And he literally just talked to me slowly for like three hours, just about, you know, and let's just lay out the pros and cons. If your kids play, these are all the pros, but if they, you know, but these are the cons, these are, these are the things you'll miss out. Think about your brothers. Think about all your friends. Think about, you know, we're in this community and we're all together and you're going to be at rinks all over Saskatchewan while we're doing the, you know, and by the end of three hours of that, you're like, good it's point. just like, absolutely. Yeah. You made a good point. Okay. I'm going to make that decision, you know? And mm-hmm. so then we always say, well, it's my decision. Yeah. And all the time, even with, being there, we we would get told, and people started getting kicked out all the time too. So if like, say I get called to the front and yelled and screamed at, because I don't know, maybe I. One big one was I played rec hockey one time after I had said I was going to quit hockey forever, and I played in a company rec tournament. Like I wasn't playing on you a team. Heathen. Oh, <laughs> it was bad. Seriously, it was bad. I was in Calgary at this yeah. tournament and. And it was my company put on a free tournament, the company I was working for. So I was like, yeah, we'll and go. And you love hockey. Yeah, but I hadn't played in like seven years. But it probably felt great to go. Oh, yeah, it was good. And and we go out and we got free hotel rooms. So my wife and I left the kids with, with Victory and Jackie's mm-hmm. parents. Oh, really? And we go out to Calgary and I play on the Friday night. And then I get up in Saturday morning. I had a shower. We're going to head down to the rink and Jackie's just watching whatever. There was company events on. And the phone rings, and my, Jackie answered because I was just getting out of the shower, and she's like, "It's Stan." And I, I'm like, "Oh." And so I grab the phone, and as soon as I pick it up, he's like, "Hey Wayne, hey Gordy," and he's just <laughs> screaming at me, uh, "Hey Bobby," and he said, "Hey Big Shot, you're out there in Calgary playing hockey, you know," and screaming and yelling for a while, calling me all these names and stuff, and then. Uh, basically saying I turned my back on everybody at Lamb of God and all my friends. And then he had all the guys, before he called me, he had them all in a room already. And you had a speakerphone. Yeah, well, he yelled at me, and then he hung up on me, which left me like, I don't have no idea what to do now. He just yelled at me for, you know. And you'd always get left like that. And then he calls me back a couple minutes later, and he's like, here, there's some guys who'd like to speak to you. Oh no! And he got the guys one at a time to come on the phone and basically say how disappointed they were that they're all together working on a Saturday together because we'd work on projects all Saturdays. Oh, man. One at a time. And then when it was done, he got back on the phone and he said, so it's your choice. You don't have to come back tomorrow. You can stay out there and do whatever. But if you're going to stay out there, don't ever come back again. Ooh. And this is in 2008, May of 2008. And... So I get off the phone and like I'm beside myself. And so 
talked about it. I'm like, well, frick, like, what am I going to do? Of course. So I go down to the rink and I just told the guys something came up at home. We got to go. And it was, it was always, and every time you make a decision to do something like that, it takes you deeper in because you're getting crazier and crazier. And Stan would even say things to us like, if you told anybody on the outside what happens in here, they would think you're nuts. So you go ahead and tell them, but you know, it's up They'll to think you. you're it's crazy. your own personal mm-hmm. reputation on the line. Yeah, exactly. And so, so every time you make a decision against your own will, you're, you're giving up a little bit more of yourself and you're throwing yourself deeper in and more under the control of what's going on there. So we drove home that night. And again, Jackie's parents are not attending here. Mm-hmm. They're just watching our kids. So now I got to come back and they are wondering, why did you come back early? I told the people in Calgary that I think I eventually said my kids were sick. I had these kids sick. So now we're lying, which is like <laughs> yeah. crazy. I'm lying, you know. And then I go back home and have to make up some weird story to Jackie's parents and then pack the whole family up the next morning and drive in on Sunday. And I drive in there with the full expectation that I'm going to get it again publicly, but I'm willing to do it. To stay in the chair. To stay. Yeah. And I get there the next day, and now he's got all the women lined up. And I come in, and we start the meeting, and I sit in the very front row. And one after another, like Victory was up there, my sister, other people. And one after... Taking a shit on you. And one after another, they would get up there, and they would just slowly talk. But Stan had also met with them all and wound them up emotionally Mm -hmm. and talked about... Think about years ago when I talked to you ladies about what the atmosphere at the rink was like and you all made the decision not to go and there's terry throwing himself into a rink with and so he built it up so much like we're talking rec hockey for a company so we know nobody's watching you know if you know rec hockey you're playing at 11 at night and nobody's watching right yeah but in the a-league too right yeah but he's talking to all these people without me there and he's saying there's terry out there with fans cheering for, you know, and he builds up this huge story. So then I sit there on the Sunday and I actually listen to people one and another, like young woman after young woman and people that are important to me in my life get up and say things like, I just can't believe that he's out there with fans cheering and going on when we're all sacrificing and being here. And in my head, I'm thinking, what are you talking about? This is rec hockey. Do you remember having to say something to your brother-in-law? I do. I don't remember exactly what I would have said. I think what would have impacted me the most is because we were told or suggested not to go to hockey games, the way Stan played on that to be like, look at you'd made this decision not to go. And then your brother-in-law who you look up to is now going and playing hockey. So were you, did you harbor any ill feelings to him? Yeah. So at that point, because of Stan's influence, I would have felt betrayed by Terry. It would have been like, well, don't you have my back here? Like I'm making this decision not to go to these hockey games and now you're going and playing hockey. Like that was that distorted view. And he called you Wayne, Gordy, and Bobby. Sounds like a guy who was a big hockey fan back in the day. Oh yeah, he played a ton, Mm -hmm. right? There you go. Yeah. So yeah, (laughs) if he was a professional hockey player, his version of hockey is different than like a yeah. beer, beer league company. And, and that's the thing. It's not that he does. He's not that he's unaware. He, everything got grandized to, to fit the narrative. Right. And so then I sat there for three hours with person after person coming up. And then by the time that's done, then the mic's open to me and then I go up crying mm-hmm. 
and repent to all my friends and family and say I'm sorry for doing what I've done and blah blah blah. And that that is just one example of something that would have like some of the stuff that happened for me because I was a little bit more re- rebellious, I guess, would be maybe bigger than other people, but everybody to a degree has had something like that happen to them. Man, and it sounds like it got pretty intense. I don't I want to mm-hmm. for the sake of time just kind of fast forward and I'm assuming it's just story after story. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like that. Um, really quickly, though, yeah. like, what do you think is like one incident or story that you think the outside world would be like, okay, that is super bananas? Even one that's a, you're a little bit more sensitive to go, like, it's still hard for me to talk about this. Well, I know an ex- a situation for me was I um, was, I think I was working for a couple of years at an employ- a place of employment and I was one of my bosses that I worked for was giving me just gift cards, different things saying thank you for the work. Nothing, nothing weird at all. And eventually because you get so close to your sponsor, you talk to them about everything. Right. And so I started thinking like, maybe it's not okay that I'm taking these different things from him. And, and so I ended up telling her and it, en- it went to Stan and he blew it out of proportion and he was just saying this man is trying to wine and dine you he wants to like painted him in this awful light and so then I become afraid of my boss who's just doing these kind gestures to say thank you for doing your job nothing weird if you would I swear if you were to ask anyone there him out of all of the people that we worked for would be the last person they would think would be this weird guy that Stan painted him to be but then over the years, maybe he would give me, he would give me a gift card for my birthday or a gift card for Christmas. And I would just be second guessing like, okay, should I take this one? Should I not? Like, is it okay to take this? And maybe I would take it. I'd feel guilty. I talked to my sponsor and Stan would hold a special meeting with all of the young single girls just because I took a gift card from him. We would meet down at at Lamb of God at the building. This little meeting would be called out of the blue during the week. And I would get reamed out for taking this. And it's just like, yeah. And and so then all of the other girls, right, would be afraid of like, oh, man, like I don't want to get in that situation. I'm And looking back now, I can see it's because Stan can see the possibility of someone putting themselves in this, like replacing Stan in my life kind of thing. Adored. Yeah. I yeah. would have, a good strategy for Stan would have been, all right, everybody submit your gift cards to me right now (laughs) but yeah yeah, like just those things like that that were just crazy but and I look back now and I remember like that probably ruined the rest of my work life while he was that while my um, boss Mm -hmm. was still there because I was afraid of him because of how Stan painted yeah oh yeah because I had to go and give these gift cards back to him I couldn't just throw them in the garbage I I would just have to say like, I'm so sorry. I just, I can't take this or really? he, yeah. Yeah. And he, I could so many different times. He would just like be like, I don't understand. Like he'd be so confused. I would have no reason for him. Did I he said, know I that can't you're a this. part of this group? No. So how I have did, a feeling he yeah. wondered what was going on, but I, he and had every no time idea. you do it, you just get that much deeper because now it's that much more embarrassing mm-hmm. to tell anybody. And, and every time you alienate yourself from another friend, person in town, whatever. This is the world that can accept you and you are you become more of an oddball to the regular mm-hmm. world. Yeah. I yeah. totally get that. Yeah. So fast forward to 2014, 2015, 
Yeah. Is this when you started? 2015, my dad got kicked out of the group uh, called Put in the Wilderness. That was, that's where things started to turn for me. Put in the Wilderness? Yeah, that's what it was called. Put in the Wilderness, which Mm -hmm. things went sideways. Put put in the Wilderness. (laughs) And that one was because years earlier, Stan actually said to everybody who was a farmer who owned land, thus saith the Lord, farmers sell your land. And everybody except my dad did. Oh, he made everybody sell their land. Yeah. And it Except wasn't said you had to give it. Oh, d- dad was supposed to too, but he got. But your dad's also the guy who secretly stashed for retirement. Yeah. <laughs> he yeah. Was well, he, yeah, he has a good head on his shoulders and he's anyway. It, so he got kicked out. A big deal. Yeah. Big deal. And so he got chastised for years and eventually, and dad's kind of a, he can be a, a bit of a hothead and he kind of got into it with Stan one day. Um, cause he's got to be around the same age. Yeah, that's right. He'd, he'd only be about 10 years younger and yeah, exactly. Dad's lived some life and, um, anyway, whatever. And he gets into it with him, And so he gets put in the wilderness. So he's gone. Uh, now basically because dad, I don't know of anybody else there that questioned stuff openly other than dad when we were there, like mm-hmm. I, everybody would wonder things, maybe murmur in the background, but but even dad would talk to me sometimes and he'd say things that he's like, I don't know about this or I don't know about that. Or people in the group would come to my dad and tell him stuff that they were wondering about because dad would never rat on anybody. Mm-hmm. And they knew that. And so, and I was, I was kind of in that boat too. So people would also talk to me. So then I'd be talking to dad and say, you know, so-and-so is also wondering about this and thinks it's whatever. And dad would be like, yeah, well, so-and-so came to me and they think this is nuts. You know, Did and anybody mention the C word then? No. Uh-uh. Like me neither. And no. And so so this is kind of what's this is my my dad's personality, right? He's getting in trouble for some of those things now because the odd time he said it to people other than me, and they told on him. Yeah. So now he's gone. So there's nobody there really with the wherewithal to stand up to anything going on. And within the next couple months, that's when Things that previously were suggestions, like it was kind of assumed we're not going to have our kids in many sports because we just don't have time. But then within the next month, it's like no more. Like you stop it. This is to the point where he's got all the kids at the front and has them crying. Mm -hmm. How old are your kids at the time? Oh, we're talking. And I'm talking. There's lots of kids. So. Yeah, not my daughter, just Terry's my kids, daughter like was every, 12 and she'd like be the, the worst oldest. Christmas concert. Yeah. <laughs> All the kids at the front crying. Yeah. Well, kids, cause a couple of kids complained that they had to quit their sports. Mm-hmm. Wow. And then he brought them up to the front and basically had them look at their own parents and say, look at your parents. If they weren't here, they'd be divorced. Mm-hmm. And then actually had those same kids look at their siblings who are younger than them and say, which sibling do you not want to have? Sophie, and he kept Sophie's choice. Holy man. And he kept at it until they were bawling. Like I'm talking. And it's almost mm-hmm. like the more they cried, the more it empowered him just, to say yeah, more. Just it, fed it fueled the it. fire. Yeah. Fueled by children's tears. Yeah. It's the first sign of a call later. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And at the time, it's the crazy thing is, is like we say these things, and even as I say them, you have so many regrets because it's like were you, was it hard watching your kid up there? My kid wasn't one of the ones getting that done, but it doesn't matter. They were still the same age as my kids. And anybody with half a heart or brain would never want to subject your kids. No, you don't want to. But then when you're in it, you're just so trapped. And so like this is one of the things like when we did leave, 
I didn't say anything for the first while. So even doing a podcast like this would have never happened in a million years. Like I am talking never. First of all, you I, never wanted to remember. You just wanted to walk away. No, it's not that. It's that there's so much built into us that we're hurting the people. Like by me talking into this microphone, I'm hurting my family that's still there. Mm-hmm. Right. And the other part is, is you leave and you feel so stupid for all the time wasted and all the poor decisions that I made. And it doesn't matter how many times people say to you after, or to me after I leave, oh, you were so brave in leaving or taking your family out or, or you were under influence or it's so bad that what happened to you, I can't speak for everyone, but for myself, it's like I can't accept those things. Like I can't accept any encouragements in that I left. It's like I accept what happened. I accept that I can only move forward from here. But like to ever even look at leaving as though it was like some brave action or mm-hmm. some noble thing, I'm not to the place where I can do that yet. And I've been gone for four years. What's, what was the breaking point that made you go, I'm done? So that happens. And then in the summer, um, Jack, we're starting now. Things are said like you're not going to see your families much anymore. We're talking families on the outside. And it was one particular night. Uh, some people were starting to get, it was starting to be encouraged for people to homeschool more. So I could see that I could start to see kind of the directions things are going. Like now we're really getting cut off from the world, right? No sports. If we pull our kids out of public schools, they're going to have no friends outside of Lamb of God. Any exit routes were being closed off or I started to see it as that. It's just harder and harder to leave. And, and, and the age my kids are at, my daughter's now 12 or 11 at that time. And I'm seeing, so a teaching had come years earlier about everybody being single, all the women being single that are still single, right? You're starting to see her. And I see, I see that she's getting to the age where we know which, and the, the younger women are all living in houses together in Saskatoon that, mm-hmm. that my parents own. And, and so they're all... Is that where you were living, Victor? Yeah. In yeah. one of the houses? Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's three houses that they're all kind of divided up in. And so mm-hmm. the, now they're in each other's business 24-7. Like we're talking, they're ratting on each other for what color underwear they have to everything. Like, no joke. That's oh, true. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, Beige. it was. That's still acceptable. That was. Forbid you were scarlet red. Yeah. <laughs> Did yeah. you have cameras set up or anything? Or is there- okay, okay, funny story. I It was one summer and I said to, I like came home one day. This is before I lived in this in Saskatoon permanently. We were just here during the summer and I came home and I kept on getting in trouble for things like around the house. Cause I, I wasn't really like, I was, I was irresponsible. I was like 16 and I think I exploded something in the microwave and I didn't clean it up properly. And there were just certain things and I was getting in trouble for that. And people were like talking to Stan and everything. And I came home one day and I said to my friend, I'm just like, it is like they have cameras in this place. Like I was so ticked off and I remember what I think I got in trouble for saying that, but that's what it felt like. It, <laughs> it honestly did. Yeah. And, and so then in that summer, uh, Jackie and victory had went back to visit their folks in Lloyd and a meeting got called. It was one of these like last minute meetings and they, and we're to the point now where we're only seeing their family, like maybe three times a year. We see them at Christmas if they come visit us. And then maybe one other time we'd go see them. Mm-hmm. And so they're there and I get this. The other thing that was happening too is because uh, people didn't want to get in trouble and I, it's not that I wanted to get in trouble, but I maybe didn't mind getting in trouble as much as other people. 
I kind of would get pushed to uh, pushed to the front <laughs> as kind of like a human shield sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Of like Terry can handle it. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, I guess. And for whatever reason, but so Jackie calls me in a panic and she's just like, tell me what to do. Like, should I come back or should I stay or whatever? And I would have one of my friends that's there would do the same thing sometimes. He'd just call me. And, because if I told him what to do and it went wrong, then he could say, Terry told me to do it and whatever. So Jackie did that. And I honestly thought the right call was for her to stay because they were about to go for supper. They hardly see him and they would barely make it back in time for meeting. And I just said, you know what? You may as well stay. I'll go to the meeting and you can hook up on the phone because we could hook up on the phone. We weren't there sometimes. Mm -hmm. Well, it turned out it was the wrong call. <laughs> and we're at the meeting and they try and hook up on the phone and Stan says, nope, don't hook up Jackie and Victory. Well, then right away I know uh, it's going to hit the fan here. Mm -hmm. And that night was A-OK. -okay. A couple meetings later, we show up and this time it's not chastisement. It's like a three-hour slow motion, just totally trash, me and Jackie. Yeah, in and front of everybody. In front of everybody. Mm -hmm. and And like we're talking, my sister coming up and talking about, she had looked on our PVR at our house and stuff that we saw. And by terrible things that were on there is like... PVR history, oh no. Yeah, it'd be like The Office or something. You know what I mean? It wasn't something that... Scandalous. Yeah. <laughs> that might not be the right one, but it'd be like an R-rated movie or something. Yeah. And... Uh, she looked on your PVR. Yeah, and that got brought up. And then basically the way that we parent our kids got brought up, all this stuff for three hours. And on the way home, I'm punching the steering wheel and I'm just like, so mad. shouting the f word and i'm just like this has got nuts and whatever but then i still didn't do anything about it my sponsor calls me the next morning and normally i'm very good at being controlled i know what i'm supposed to say i know i'm supposed to be repentant and everything's supposed to carry on but i was ticked still he calls in the morning and i went off on him i'm just like this is nuts blah 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 i go off and then as soon as i hang up the phone i'm like oh crap what did i do and so then I call him right back. I'm like, you know, all the things I just said, <laughs> I don't mean it. I'm sorry, blah, blah, blah. But it was too late by then. Phone tree. <laughs> it would call. They called that one going up line. Yeah. Oh. Up line. So oh, yeah. But, Profit. I, but yeah. I, did, I did think I had done enough damage control. But then I show up at the next meeting and that's the one where it's going on. Normal meeting. I think we're all good because things are just going on. Then all of a sudden I'm sitting there and Stan just starts yelling at me and he's talking to me about my role as man of the house and husband of the home and all this stuff. And I, you know, didn't all this stuff. They were you yelled, there, were you there, Victor? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Jackie and I got reamed out at that. It was yeah. either that, I think it was at that meeting too. Nobody was safe. No, no. Oh no. Everybody would have got it sometimes. So then I go up to the front and I'm standing there and he, that was the night that I got head butted and oh, it was just, it just got so heated. Yeah. He reached out and again, it was, to be accurate, it was an unintentional headbutt, but he grabbed me by the collar and he pulled me so hard that my head slammed forward and, and hit him. And then it was still, that was only the summer of 15 and it still took, so it wasn't till I ended up getting put in the wilderness in October of that year. Oh, so you actually got kicked out. I did. I got kicked out. And the crazy thing is my dad was still outside. He was still in the wilderness. He was still in the wilderness. He was out in the trees and you, you're like, <laughs> he's like, oh, you got here too. <laughs> <laughs> Two years later, he's like, he's just sitting hey, on a son. log, <laughs> yeah. just waiting for you. <laughs> but that's just a metaphorical thing. You just yeah. to, you're just going home. Yeah. Okay. And you're not allowed to talk to anybody in the group other than your sponsor. 
So you can't talk to all your You're old friends. And that's yeah. like you talk like Scientology or Jehovah's when they leave. It's like they yeah. do a pretty good job on making sure that, well, you don't get access to these guys anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you, the only people you could talk to is a sponsor, Stan. And so anyway, I go out there. Me, two of us got put in the wilderness at the same time. The other guy was like totally devout and spent all, like he would spend four hours a day driving around with his sponsor, trying to search his soul to see why he had been, you know, and he's a good guy, right? And like people are so genuine there. And that's why I do want to be careful when we say this. Like I don't want, it's I know it sounds them. crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know what I mean? But it's like, these are good people. It's and not people about like them, care really. About. It's, this is your personal experience, right? Yeah. And right. Everybody can believe, and that's the one thing, especially, you know, being non-Christian, it's mm-hmm. like, it's, I know definitely I come from the world where people think anybody who's religious is crazy, right? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I'm trying to balance everything and go, you know, everybody has a different belief, and like, it's not to say they're crazy or we're crazy, it's just, you believe in something, if you keep it to yourself, that's fine, and I keep my belief to myself, and just like them. Yeah. You 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 still probably love these people and don't oh, want any mm-hmm. will wish any ill harm yeah. to them. No. So yeah, and so it's just. But at the same time, with all that being said, I do think there comes a time where a line is crossed into abuse, and that's where it's not okay just to believe whatever. And so, so anyway, he's out doing that, and I took a different approach where I literally took the the time in the wilderness to make up for lost time with my kids because I had not. We'd been doing a lot of work been away from home at the ministry a lot and I did things like went bowling with my kids got my front yard finished that sort of stuff and looking back now the time away for three weeks or whatever it ended up being was just the time I needed for my head to decompress enough to start thinking things through yeah and was part of things and so it was shortly thereafter I got invited back again I went back and I'm driving out with my brother to go do some work on a building we were building and and I'm starting to think about things and I'm starting to wonder about I even had at that point I had not googled it yet but I'm driving out with my brother and out of nowhere it's still the weirdest thing ever we're driving out and he's like the we were doing some shingling in November and it was cold no it was unseasonably warm for some reason and he's like crazy the weather we're having it's actually going to be perfect for putting shingles on I'm like yeah yeah it'll be really good and he said, I Googled cults yesterday. And I said, <laughs> oh. And I didn't know what to say. And, and then is this the first time you've even heard the term cult? Oh, I guess the, well, like we'd heard Stan it, brought but... it up that one day with this little like Google sheet that he had. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but nobody, you'd heard it, but nobody would say it like that in reference to what we're in. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. And then I didn't know what to say. So I'm like, oh, okay. And then he just carried on talking about the weather. And to this day, that's as much as was ever said. That was the only seed that he that needed to plant. Only, and, but he's still there. That brother of mine is still there to this day. And within the next couple of days, I'm driving back and forth to work, and I'm starting to wonder. So I Googled, could a good church become a cult? That's what I Googled. And a five-part video popped up with books. And one thing led to another. Before you know it, I'm starting to read a whole bunch in the month of November. And as I'm reading... It's just like, this is exactly what we're in. Like I read a book called Subtle Power of Spiritual Abuse. And it was, as I was reading it, it's as if I was reading my own story, our own story. And then a book called Toxic Faith. And as I'm reading it, it's like, holy crap. And then uh, probably the most famous book is Kingdom of the Cults. And it's just an encyclopedia on cults is what it is. 
And it's is it for people in cult or people outside? No, it'd be it'd be outside okay. and maybe inside. It's too. not like an instruction on how to. No, it would. <laughs> no, it but would you probably be. could pick up on how to do it because <laughs> yeah. they teach you all the tactics. Probably. It would have most of the mainstream ones and kind of their belief system. So, so people you talk know. about like David Koresh and like the yeah. Waco and that the Applegate Applegate one where they had like the black Nikes. And they all killed, committed suicide because oh. they were supposed to go up to space. Yeah. And there's like the Raelians, Jim Jones. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So many. Yeah. yeah. So it would have all that sort of stuff. In it. And I didn't give that much of a read because it was just, it's like an encyclopedia. Yeah, yeah. And then my wife actually, at this time I was talking to her a little bit and she's petrified. I don't, she never tells me this until years later or six months later. But she's petrified that I'm even doubting things because she thinks that... You're going into some uncharted waters, right? Oh, yeah. And she thinks that, like, our kids... Because stuff had been said just in passing lots of times. Like, if you leave here, my wife and I would get divorced. My kids might get, you know, sick. Or references would be made to people who've left and the terrible things that have happened to them, like, years gone by. And so she's thinking all these things. And then without getting into every little bit of it, within that month... We start. To, I start to really think. Like I think we got to bail here, and I'm I'm up all night every night, like stressful time, pacing, reading, whatever. And I eventually talk to my dad, who's still out. And my dad actually tells me to stay in, which shocked me because he's out in the wilderness, and he's like, "You don't want to. You don't want to be out here." But was, was he having a hard time um, going back to reality? Or yeah, he was because he was. He didn't feel safe to make friends on the outside because my mom was still inside, for one. And he was, yeah, I call it like he was in a mini purgatory, right? Yeah, can't go. He was just stuck in the middle of nowhere. And so in his mind, there was no thought that we could even live a normal life. It was like, if I leave, my life would look like his looked at that moment. And so he's like... I wouldn't, he said, I think you should stay in. You don't want to, you, you don't want to live. But your mom and dad were married. Yeah. So at at night she'd come home and he'd be like, how was it? Oh, it was okay. Can't talk about it. Really? So my dad on Sundays, my mom was sick. So my mom would listen in to meetings all day Sunday. My dad wasn't allowed to be in the house. He would have to go to the shop. So he still kind of believed in the order of it. Oh, absolutely. He's still kind of fearful of what could happen. And then the crazy thing is, so this happens and I tell dad, I'm, he's the only one I told that we're going to do this. We're leaving. And this is in early December. And then he said, don't do it before Christmas. You'll ruin it. You're going to ruin our family when you do this. And, and he's like, and I said, okay, I want to have one last normal Christmas, right? Where, oh yeah, I forgot about the holidays. You guys still celebrated Christmas. And yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. That's cool. Yeah. yeah. So then I, I agreed to with him. I wouldn't leave till after Christmas and then left. And then he was actually going on a trip and he asked for me not to do it then. Cause he wanted my mom not to be stressed <laughs> Just while they were on the trip. Excuses. And so then I agreed. I told him when we were going to do it. We knew when we were going to leave. And then we pulled the trigger, called all of my friends that morning and or my closest friends, the ones closest to me and told them. And I made each call was like 30, 30 to 45 seconds because I knew as soon as I called one, it would spread to everybody. Um, 30 to 45 seconds to each person. So because I had about did you get the call. Yeah. Jackie called me. Do you yeah, remember what it was? Was it 30 to 45 seconds? Um, oh yeah, yeah. And it was were very you close. about to just light up the phone tree? Um, I was. I had there were people in the house, so I went and told them. Just people around my house, but yeah, it was a very quick phone. Somebody talked to that guy about texting because that thing would <laughs> spread like wildfire. <laughs> Group chat, <laughs> one yeah, message, exactly. boom. So efficient. <laughs> Somebody's at your door the next day. No, you're not leaving. All right. Yeah. 
But so, it's so, 30, 45 seconds. So I called all seven people. So my two brothers, my sister, a few close friends, and I made sure each call, my sponsor, I made sure each call was was quick because I wanted to be the one to tell each one of those people and I didn't want them to hear it through the, the back end right away. But that was super tough. And then then the next few weeks, like, I th- like everything was fairly normal mentally up until that point. Like, yes, it was stressful, but... We knew what we were doing to a degree. And what I was amazed at is the next morning waking up, it was like all my foundation had crumbled. And I thought I like I mentally everything just it didn't happen until after we left. And all the things that had been said over 10 years flooded in the next morning. So like I drive a lot of miles every day. I drive lots of days. I drive four or five hundred kilometers, right? And I've always done it without batting an eye or thinking about it. All of a sudden, the next Monday, I'm driving to work and I'm petrified I'm going to get hit by a semi. And I can't make myself not be petrified, which was so weird. And I'm usually not really scared of much, like like irrationally. But it was just like I had all these irrational fears of things that had been built into me over the last 10 years that I had no idea were even there. And like every time the kids have a weird cough, I think they're getting sick. Every time Jackie and I have a disagreement, I think she's about to, to fly the coop. And, and well, she probably was also on shaky ground as well. She was. The neat thing for us was that she was really solid off the start. And then by the time it hit her, I was back on solid footing. So, so it you guys out. were there to be each other's support. Yeah, so she was the rock for the first bit where... Like she was the one that sat me down and she just said, this is not going to happen. I'm not going anywhere. And that's, it's probably similar to like breaking up with a hundred girlfriends at the time. You know what I mean? Like you're, everybody you knew is now not in your life anymore. So it's kind of like dealing with death almost. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it, and it was, and then they wanted to meet with us and Stan wanted to talk to our family so that his, in his words, so that Satan couldn't enter the Terry and Jackie Brown household uh, we declined that meeting. Uh, but all the guys wanted to meet with me. I did take that one on. They all came out. But and they're trying to convince you to come back. They were just going to come. But when they came out, Jackie's like, don't bring them in the house. Don't do this in the house. Because I, I can be fairly combative. And and um, she's like, meet with them in the garage. So I waited in the garage for whatever, eight of them to come. And when they came, they didn't know what to say. So we just sat there in like awkward silence and eventually I just said, okay, guys. They didn't, like, so it was just silence. Yeah, they didn't know. They talked about the weather a little bit. They talked <laughs> about, like, these were my closest friends for 10 years and none of them even asked, like, why are you leaving or anything? Did that hurt though? Like that you weren't able to yeah. just talk and you kind of realize the relationship's now going to be different? Yeah, like I knew it was. The sad thing is when each person leaves, they can't have that conversation very well off the start anyway. Like each person that leaves just kind of slides out the door. Like I just cannonballed it out the door. I wouldn't have had, I probably would have had more than most of the people that have left to say because I had read a lot and done a lot. But when people leave, like so far, because we've seen like eight now or whatever, like it's a mess. It's really bad for the first bit. Victory, um, I don't know that you left about a year after but your experience was a lot different. Right. I'm a, yeah. I remember you kind of blew my mind when you yeah. told me how you left. I was like, oh, did you just do the same thing? Yeah. You're like, ah, no. Because at the time, 
even a year later, mm-hmm. were you, did you hold any, like, what was it like not having Jack or Terry in there? Yeah. So Stan did a really good job of like detaching me from Terry and Jackie. Cause I was really, obviously really close to them. But then once I moved into Saskatoon, slowly he would like different things would take place where that relationship, it just became more distant. I would be in more meetings, things that I couldn't tell Jackie about. And so she would feel that distancing. And for one example, like it was, I don't even know what year it would have been. I remember it being March. Our whole family was going to go to Edmonton for a family trip. It was going to be like a, I think it was a three day trip that we had planned. And I had, again, because you watch these people getting in trouble for making decisions to go, maybe go on a. Okay, we'll try this. So you're going to Edmonton. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, my family. And so Terry and Jackie and their kids, we were planning this trip to Edmonton and, oh man, I don't even remember how it all happened, but I remember being super, just, I had a lot of anxiety over deciding if I was going to go or not. And I like, just because of the influence you believe like, okay, God, are you like trying to tell me I shouldn't go or like, should I go? And I just didn't have, we would talk about not having peace about making a certain decision. And mm-hmm. so I was just back and forth and I would talk to my sponsor and it was probably for a good couple of weeks where I would just say, I don't know if I should go. I feel super anxious. And, but again, I look back now and I see that that was because you watch other people getting in trouble, right? For certain making different decisions. And so then I don't even know what's, what's right or what's wrong. And so I decide to go and then it's a Sunday. We're supposed to leave after the meeting on Sunday. I was going with Terry and Jackie and we're going to head to Edmonton with my family. And Stan calls me into the, so into the Omega room is the room where he met with everyone or with his small little group of people with his big leather chair. And he basically just said like, he accused me of lying and telling my sponsors, he like, that I had basically prayed about this and felt peace about going to Edmonton. And he said like, but did you even? And I remember I just, at that point, you just give in to that, right? And it's just like, yeah, I did. Like I didn't feel peace about going. And so then you turn on yourself and you're like, okay, maybe, maybe I did actually feel this way. And it's like, you're right, Stan. And so then I decide to not go to Edmonton with my family and Terry and Jackie are still able to go. And so are that they was out of the, are they no, in the wilderness now? No, oh, they're is, still very much in yeah. Lamb of God. And so obviously after leaving, I see how he's like that separation is happening, right? About I'm making this decision not to go and they're still going. And they, there was like, we ended up coming out into the sanctuary and everyone found out that I'd made this decision not to go. And it was like this big celebration that took place of like, yeah, like victory, made, made this yeah decision. and I took I called my parents that day and I just said I'm sorry I'm not going to be able to come to Edmonton anymore um I've decided I'm too busy at work and I used work as an excuse and so it's things like that where that relationship just became we just yeah became very detached and and then eventually after they left I was pulled closer into the inner circle with Stan and little did I know it's that he could keep a closer eye on me. Right. And, and so I became, after they left, I became closer to the group. It didn't cause me to want to leave. I was discouraged to talk to them, to ask them questions about why they decided to leave. 
And so I was just pulled in closer. And so... So you're fully bought in. Yeah. Yeah. And at no time were you guys trying to get her to come out? Not well, at that point. We were just well. trying to survive. Yeah. Because you were probably the first dealing three with months. Yeah. yeah, you guys are dealing with your own sort of internal mm-hmm. battles. I never told stuff. another soul about anything that went... I shouldn't say that. Right before... I told Jackie's brother right. and her family. But then I... Again, I still had all the same fears. We were out, but the, but I was still living under it, even though mm-hmm. we were out. And so afraid to, like, what we're doing here. You never would have oh, thought. not even close. Like, And then it was three months down the road. And even there's still all the doubts of whether we made the right decision. Should we go back? Are we, you know, those are. Is there any possible chance that you ever go back? Now? Yeah. Oh, absolutely not. Mm-mm. So you leaving... Let's explain that story because that to me is like a wild one. Because somebody got hired? Yeah, well, I feel you got to, like, Terry was behind the scenes on all of it. So he has to start this. Okay, so three months in, uh, or out, I mean, barely just start to talk to people. Uh, Now, again, this is the type of story that everybody who'd been watching from the outside for 10 years, when they hear it, you know, because people are wondering, it looks odd from the outside, but you don't know any of what we've said, right? Yeah. So I start to say stuff before you know it, all of a sudden, all these family members of people who are on the inside start calling me and they want to hear what's going on. And then I start so talking. The families, but they're, uh, they're outside. Yeah. So <laughs> let's say people like Victory's parents, but there's a whole bunch of people just like Victory there and they all have parents and brothers and sisters. And so they're calling and, and Stan took a, odd approach which I still don't understand why he did it but he he actually got people in the group to go talk to family members on the outside to say just so you know Terry Brown left and he may come and try you know he may try and say lies about us and all this stuff again from my understanding of the Scientology church and Jehovah's it's basically they try to smear you a bit yeah mm-hmm. to discredit but, uh, you. but the crazy thing is at that point nowhere in my mind would it be to talk to any of these people because I'm still re- I'm just trying to me, survive yeah. and keep my family afloat right with four kids and stuff but then what that did is as soon as these people go out and say that well then all these people would call me <laughs> and so then without meaning to that got me to start telling my story which actually ended up being some of the most therapeutic that helped me get better. So it it all kind of worked together. Well, then all of a sudden you go to the fall and we're getting together with 70-some people who are all mem- family members of people on the inside who are wondering what's going on and how they can help their their family members. Are they using the C word? Oh, yeah. By they're, then they would be. And I, I would not be still. But they're like, our kid's in a cult. We need to get them out. Yeah. They would still be. And then a guy by the name of Stephen Kent at the University of Alberta found out about this and he calls me up. And so out of the blue when I'm at a Karenport reunion. So I talked to him for an hour and a bit and then he kind of starts offering me help and kind of talking to me over the phone and teaching me a few things and giving me things to read and learn and all this stuff. And then, then by that fall, then I'm starting to... You know, it's almost like you're waking up from a bad dream, right? And then I'm looking back and I'm like, holy crap, my sister's still there, my brother's there, my parents are there, victory's there. We got to help people somehow. And so start reading more about that and this Stephen Kent and whatever starts talking to us about that and some other family members. Then 
we say, then victory's the one on my mind because she, we got her into this mess, right? She moved in with us, whatever. I felt responsible. So then I'm talking to Stephen Kent and just say, like, what can we do? And he's like, I don't do this stuff, but, and he's been on that Leah Ramini show. Oh, yeah. Scientology. Oh, okay. Stephen Kent was on that show. Yeah, for sure. I watched that. Yeah. And so he's just like, I don't do interventions, but I know a guy who does. And he's in the States and he goes, I've seen him at a conference or whatever before. And he said, I'll try and track him down. So I said, yeah, I'd like that. So we tracked him down and then we started having conference calls with Stephen Kent and this guy from the States. Does he have a name? Like... I just won't say it okay. because he does interventions still all over the place. Oh, and so he and he, it's kind of like a covert kind of thing? Well, yeah. And the trouble is, is if like Victory, you knew his first name, but not his last name. That's even right. During the intervention. Yeah. And, and then, I, f- for some reason too, I, after the intervention, even when I was, because for a period of time, I was still back at Lamb of God after yeah. all that happened. I did not say his last name because of, yeah, just because concerned though. The reason he yeah. doesn't is because uh, groups, when they realize somebody is a, a anti-cult person or interventionist, they'll like pre-program people to hate that person. Oh, and so right. then so, it'll actually make it so an intervention won't work in the future. Right. So it's almost like smearing him before. It, That's it's right. Like just right. in case you run into Getting ahead guy, of the story, he's a right? creepo. Yeah. Yeah. So David is his name. But, and, uh, but I won't say his last. So anyway, we start talking on the phone and then we st- I throw it out to all the families. Like, who wants to actually try and get somebody out of here? And Jackie's family was the only ones that were fully on board because if you do an intervention, it doesn't work, you're done. Like, you officially get... You're to- yeah, because then that's just a tighter way to keep you further mm-hmm. away. And they'll be Were your parents trying to communicate with you and trying to do it on their own? Trying to no, explain- no. They were, they were just treating me like... They were just fine. Okay, for, so yeah, like, like they were being really careful. No, not at all. Okay. Like they were just loving me the best they could, right at that point. Yeah. with what and there's they no knew. point in even doing that. It's actually mm-hmm. counterproductive. So, so anyway, um, a girl ends up leaving on her own, uh, Leah, in December of that year, mm-hmm. 2016. And then at that time, we had already planned, and David was flying up here to to meet with a bunch of families, and that was a week. He was already booked for a week after she left, which was pretty cool. And she actually came to that meeting a week after she left Lamb of God. And she was able to tell us some of the the more extreme physical abuse that had gone on with some females there since we had left. We're so st- it got physically abusive with mm-hmm. the females. Yeah. We're standing with, with... Yeah, specifically one. Yeah, mm-hmm. one. Yeah. Not often, just one, no. one we're not moment. talking sexually abusive. We're talking no. just physically abusive. Physical, yes. yeah. Okay. But name calling, like cunt whore, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Really? Really yeah. bad. And pushing that female around. And that was the incident that led to Leah leaving. Like That was her oh, line. It wasn't Leah who was being... No. It was just this other girl. Mm-hmm. She, yeah, she witnessed it. Yeah. And she was like, I, you know, mm-hmm. and it took her a few months, but th- that was enough. Mm-hmm. This other girl is still there that she, it happened to. Yeah. So... So we hear about all this at the time. David comes up and he talks. We do two two nights, two different nights of sessions where people drive into the city and from all over and, and meet with them and talk. And then when it's done, he kind of explains how cults work. So people, you know, some of the stuff we just talked about here today and more. And it was he was bang on with what was going on. Oh, he's been doing this for 40 years. So when he started talking about it, you're like, how like we that's totally exactly what we're oh yeah doing. and we'd already been talking for months on the phone and david was great with me both david and steven were i still have no idea why they took the time they did they never charged me a dime and talked to me on the phone for months and they were so good 
And, uh, and yeah. anyway, so then they explained all this. And because the other thing is, is family members think that you can just go to your member. As soon as they hear all these details, let's say what's in this podcast. If somebody has somebody in a group like that, they'll think, well, I just got to go grab them and tell them, you, you, you idiot, get out of there. You can't. No, you can't. And that was to explain this to, that's what David took time over two nights to explain. You cannot just walk up to your son or daughter and, and say, on. I know what's going on there. You have to leave. The spiritual grip it has on you is probably stronger than any physical grip it has. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm assuming. Yes. And so, and it's counterproductive. You'll actually drive them farther in. Right. Is all you'll do. Just like when you left or got kicked to the wilderness, you mm-hmm. got tighter in yes. there. Yes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So when did you meet him? Like, and how did, it, was it like covert where they came in and like, yeah, so we we had to, like at this point people aren't vacationing for except with each other for more than like 3 days at a time. Yeah. And we need a week to do this. And so we start asking Victory to go on family trips and she does the same thing she always does, finds a reason not to go. And so Jackie's family starts to build up the relationship and gain trust with her just by doing more whatever, just being family together. And then, and you may as well say it was like from the inside from that point on. Yeah. Um, oh man. Okay. So I remember starting to plan for this family trip and that's what I thought it was. I thought we were going away on a family vacation. Oh yeah. And little did I know my sister tells me later, you basically planned your entire intervention. So the whole thing was to be just big ruse. Yeah. And so, so where did you go to? Uh, we went to Cochrane, Alberta. And you drove with who? So I flew, you which flew again was a check on their box because you either want this person to be, how many Solo. is it, like three hours away? Well, or what we said, I said to Jackie's family, well, David did too, but he had mm-hmm. told us all this stuff. And so when we're talking about it, we said, she is going to try and make everything within two hours of Saskatoon, whatever family did. trip we yeah. need, so that she can take off back there Just if she needs case. to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I was like planning Elkridge, right? A couple hours away from Saskatoon. So Jackie's like calling all these places ahead yeah. of time that we figure that Victory will try and plan for to make sure that there's no rooms available and everything. And sure enough, then Victory wanted to go there and Jackie could say, sorry, I called and it's actually all booked up. Oh, mm. okay. So Jackie would just say it's all booked up. No, but it actually was. Like she had, it just, it worked out in our favor. Put it that oh, okay. Way. I thought Jackie's phone and Elkridge just say, okay. Oh no! Single twenty-some-year-old lady <laughs> asked oh, yeah. for some rooms. You gotta say we're booked. Yeah, no. And then, but then the family members are saying stuff like, "Oh, we always do go to lakes in Saskatchewan. Mm-hmm. We'd rather see the mountains. We'd rather do this." Do you that. had no idea this time. This no, is oh, not at all. Cruise. No, and obviously, I wanted to go on a family trip, right? Like, I I loved spending time with my family, but there was still a degree of fear instilled in you of like they might try and like get you to leave. They might try to come after you. So you kind of had a feeling that there's a chance because yeah, you know he's on the outside. Right. Yeah. There's always, there's that possibility, right? So you flew to Cochrane. Mm-hmm. You get in a car, you go to a, like a uh, Airbnb or hotel or something. We, they had a hotel on Cochrane. So I, and with, even with flying, I think they were all pretty shocked that I decided to do that. Cause it was on my end, it was just easier for me. And to be honest, as soon as that flight was booked, I even felt relieved because I was like, now you can Stan go. can't tell me that I can't go anymore kind he of thing. I just kind of had, he did, but I think he forgot because I was in a meeting on 
Monday, the day before Sunday or Monday, the day before I flew out. And I remember saying to him, like, just a reminder, Stan, I'm going to see, I'm going to Cochrane with my family for a week and I fly out tomorrow. And I remember the look on his face was like a degree of like uncertainty or fear. Like, and I remember talking to my sponsor about it and saying like, I feel guilty. I feel like I'm making the wrong decision. Like Stan just looked like not sure. And cause he, he had that control. Right. And so this is out of control. And, yeah. And so I ended up flying to Cochrane and while well, flying to Calgary and met up with my family. We went for supper at the Calgary tower. I'm just enjoying my time with and my we, nieces and oh, you guys are probably a day early too. Yes. So victory, victory gym. needed to be here for Sunday to go to a Sunday meeting. Mm-hmm. So we, cause they would never miss a Sunday meeting. And so we drove up there Saturday night and we flew David in a day early and we met with David all day Sunday to prepare the family in a hotel room. And we watched videos and went through all. Is this a hotel room or like one of the conference rooms or uh, like a suite? So we purposely made sure that Jackie's parents got like a big uh, suite in the hotel and the rest of us just got normal rooms because we were going to do it in their room. Yeah. They had a TV and couches and all that. So we met for. An this entire day is, was a classic A and E like intervention, like the <laughs> oh, program. Absolutely, yeah. Where and there's like some like old bald guy going, "These are just a bunch of people who love you to death." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know what? Very it's close. It's coming. It's coming. So oh, yeah. we met all day, went through all the questions. David went through because he's been doing this for forty years. He's like, "This is what's probably going to happen. This could happen. You need to be prepared. Sometimes it goes horribly wrong." But sometimes it goes horribly wrong and we still are able to pull it out of the fire and things get okay. So you just got to roll with the punches, blah, 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 all this stuff. We talked about being prepared that Victory would... Try would, to run? N- there's that. But that she would also be way more scary than her family was ready for. It's like her family had never seen this side of her. And so even we were warning, like, you have to know that Stan has had her close with him for the last two years so she is just as able to manipulate as he is she's been trained by the best she knows how to go for the jugular she'll say hurtful things terrible things and you have to not react emotionally and be ready for this and so is that what happened Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) my dad wasn't ready so when you walk in at what time of the day was this? So um, I fl- cool. so flew into Calgary and we went for supper at Cal- the Calgary Tower. I'm loving life. Like this is going well. And then we drive out to Cochrane and go to bed, wake up in the morning. We go and have breakfast in my parents' hotel room. And again, it's, it's normal to me. Like we all yeah. would usually get together, have breakfast. My nieces and nephews are around or we're just hanging out. And all of a sudden slowly people started to leave like my sister-in-law started to leave terry had left my niece and nephews no it was in my parents room so we ordered a and w and we were just eating in there and so i took the kids swimming because i couldn't be in it because you guys your heart must be just pounding yeah it was well for me it wasn't too bad because i literally because stan has built up to these people that i've been taken over by satan now so i am I, like I am hockey man <laughs> I'm right. enemy number one so we knew I couldn't be in there because mm-hmm. it would just make her leave so yeah. I went swimming with the kids and so who's left in the room um my siblings and minus one brother and my parents so how many siblings um so there's six kids in my family Ooh. there was there would have been five of us so my and, three and of my parents. brothers and my sister and my parents so it was just a family intervention. yeah yeah and well initially so all of a sudden my brother my oldest brother just starts to talk and he just said we feel like there's an elephant in the room that we 
are not great as communicate at communicating as a family. Are you and, sniffing something at this oh, point? Oh, 100%. Like, as soon as he started talking, I was just like... And so you're yeah. eating your double teen, your <laughs> onion rings, and you're looking around. It was breakfast. Okay, so his bacon my, and egg. Yes. <laughs> and you started watching people leave. Yeah. Or you just kind of sitting in the middle going, what's going on? Oh, yeah. Were no, you getting heart, nervous? I was getting angry. My heart was definitely Did racing. Did you feel like more instantly angry. something's going to yeah. be said? Mm-hmm. And then this time David's not in the room yet? No, not yet. I had no idea that he was there. Oh, man. This is like a TV show. <laughs> and then so... So my brother then just, yeah, just starts casually talking and he doesn't like, doesn't point the finger at me specifically. He just says, we feel like it's really hard for us to communicate as a family. And so then he throws in there, he says, there's this, we've hired this family Counselor. mediator, mediator oh. who is here who helps just families learn to communicate and to talk to one another. And he said, He's here in the hotel. You don't have to talk to him and we don't need to bring him in. But if you're okay, we would like to bring him up. And they said, um, he's like, you don't have to talk. If you just want to sit and listen, that's fine. And so in my mind, I'm like, okay, if I don't have to talk, I won't talk. So I'll just sit and listen. And so they go and get um, David and he comes in. And again, it's like, obviously I didn't know this was going to happen, but he walks in and he's the bad guy. And I'm just like, you horrible person (laughs) like poor guy and he sits down and like on a bed or on the chair just on a chair just and you guys are sitting on beds i'm assuming because you just have no so there's just there's a a, they put it brought a table and i don't know how they got the table in there you'd think that i would have wondered about that but i i didn't it was pretty normal (laughs) there's a one-way mirror (laughs) you're like like, this doesn't look like a hotel (laughs) anymore (laughs) yeah no so he no he sat on the other side of the table so he would have been just like how we are right now Really? Yeah, and he's... He's like a police interrogator almost? No, he was. He's more like no, a family super just, calm and yeah. family oh, counselor yeah. kind of guy. Yeah, yeah. like, nice. and obviously I I didn't like him from the very start. Were you being hostile or were you just kind of not being, yet. No, being so, fickle? Um, I wasn't saying anything at first. He just started um, just asking questions and saying, so is there, like, what are things going on in your family that's a point of tension right now? And we started talking about a completely irrelevant situation with our, with a family member and ended up talking for like two hours about this situation. And I'm sitting there the entire time knowing full well, this is not why he's here, but I'm pissed. Dad uses organic products and mom (laughs) feels it's too expensive. Well, yeah. And I just, yeah. And I'm, I am sitting there and I'm not given anything like, cause I'm ticked and I know exactly why he's there and I'm not helping them at all. And Jackie's ticked too, oh, because she's, oh, just, yeah, yeah. she's so annoyed because she's just like, victory's smarter than this. She knows where we're going with this. We're just wasting time. Yeah. yeah so yeah. then all of a sudden Jackie pipes in and starts talking. And the she, elephant. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, and then she just says like, I feel like Vic, since we've left Lamb of God, we hardly have a relationship. Like you you don't talk to us anymore. We don't see you. And she just was talking openly about that. And so David then looks at me and he said, so like, how do you feel once your sister has shared that and how she's feeling? Like, do you have any thoughts? And right away I'm like, well, I don't have to say anything. And so the coaching and training that I learned at Lamb of God was Stan always said, if your family comes after you or you're in this uncomfortable situation, you can say, I don't feel comfortable with this. I don't want to talk about it. I'm leaving. 
And he would always say, you do not have to sit and take it. So he prepared us for, he prepared us for these situations. And so that's what I did. I said, as soon as he asked me what my thoughts were, I said, I don't feel comfortable with this. It's not fair that you guys are doing this to me. I'm leaving. And so I walk out, I look at my dad as I'm walking out and just kind of shake my head at him, go out to the hallway. My dad follows me out and I just ream him out. Like, I'm just like, how dare you do this to me? We come for a family vacation and you guys do this to me. This is not fair. This is not okay. And my dad is being a dad, right? Like he's like, my daughter is hurting. He was, he just didn't, he wasn't ready for that. Right. And so he said, okay. He said like, go back to your hotel room, go have a rest or whatever. And so went from there and then this is where I'm in the pool and it's gone on for so long. I'm thinking this is going good. Like they've (laughs) been in there because I expected this to end in 15 minutes that she would. Well, I didn't necessarily expect that, but I thought it could, right? It would blow up quick, but we're at two and a half hours. We've, I'm now like a prune, been in the water, water, making beards at the phone (laughs) with the kids there. And so I'm watching all these kids and sl- and then all of a sudden I see people filtering out into the hall room down. And so I, you know, throw my shirt on and run out there. I'm like, how'd it go? And Jackie just looks at me, terrible. And then uh, Victory's one brother comes down. He's like, I think we're done. And then Jackie's dad wants to totally shut it down. Like he's totally, and and I'm like, oh, no. And But Jackie's also got <laughs> one really stubborn brother in particular. And I'm talking to him and he's like, we need to keep going. And I, I'm like, we're not stopping. Like, we're here now. The effort put in to get yeah, all this. And, and whatever. So then we had Leah, who was that girl who left. She was waiting in the wings. So she, she, had, she was waiting in Cochrane as well. She came down to Cochrane. Mm-hmm. Wow. And so then we gave her a call and she popped in. and Oh, I just happened to be at the courtyard <laughs> area <laughs> next door. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so she comes timing. in and she says to me, She's like, I think, because her and Victory were good friends before. She said, I think I can talk to her or whatever. And I, I remember saying, I'm like, I don't think so. I don't think it's like that. And she's like, well, let me try. I'd like to just, whatever. So she goes up and we wait at the, <laughs> we wait down there. And she literally, like, Victory just chewed her up and spit her back out, basically. She's like, yeah, no, she's not ready. <laughs> she yeah. goes in there confident. Like, she comes in and I'm... I'm just on high alert for whatever is about like to crying happen. Were you crying or shaky or just... Um, oh, I think... Were you calling Stan at this time? Or? No, not yet. I hadn't called anyone. No, I think I was just angry. Like, I don't think I was crying. I think I was just ticked. And so she comes in and I will not even close the um, hotel the hotel room door. Like, I stand there with the door open and Leah is just like, can we just talk about this? Like when did it happen that you can't just have a conversation? Like we were good friends. What has changed? And I right away, I'm like, we're not on the same team anymore. Like you decided to leave. I don't like, I don't want to have this conversation. I don't need to hear what you have to say. I said, I know that I'm in a good place and I don't need to hear it. And so I, I told, yeah. And then, then, then she, so we're downstairs. I'm back in the pool again. And I look out and she's back down already. This is like 10 minutes tops. Mm -hmm. And so I come out and she's leaning up against the wall. Looks like she's been through a war. And I'm like, what, what happened? And she's just like, you, you gotta go. You gotta go. I said, what happened? And, and I think Leah just said, you just go. 
just go. So I threw my shirt on and I ran up the stairs. And at this time, I'm leaving my hotel room. I'm walking to my parents' room, knocking on the door saying, if you don't stop, I am getting on a plane and flying out. I knock on their door. No one's in there. And all of a sudden I look to my right and the evil Terry Brown is walking towards me. And Yeah, so I turn the corner of the stairs and I start walking down the hall and she's at her parents' room knocking. And she turns and sees me out of the corner of her eye and she just points at me down the hallway and yells down the hallway. She's like, stay there. Do not. <laughs> do not. And so I keep walking towards her and we got into it right there in the hallway. And that was at 10 in the morning and we yelled back and forth for four hours. In, in the, the hallway? In the hallway. It's a real bonding experience. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Did the hotel staff ever? Mm-hmm. Oh, they didn't like, say it. Like- so we're there and she's like, I'm leaving. I'm leaving. And I said... I just yelled at her. I said, really? Are you willing to Are you willing to do it that way? I said, I will hop in my van and I will be in Saskatoon before your plane lands. This is not over. Mm-hmm. And she's like, I'll do it. I'll go right now. And I said, I'll go back there and I'm go- I'll go straight to 650. I'll go straight to CKOM and we'll tell the whole story on whatever. Mm-hmm. And she's like, no. And I said, are you willing to stand up for... And then at this point, there's a maid right there folding towels and stuff while we're doing this and she's, I, she's probably just bring the popcorn just no she's a, she's a very so kind filipino maid that has her head down and is totally trying to ignore us and i yell at her at the maid and i i said would you be okay with a with a man pushing a woman around and calling her a cunt and a whore and whatever and this Lady just kind of looks up from the towels and goes back to folding as quick <laughs> as she like, can. I just I just got off the plane here. Just, just trying to make a living. <laughs> and, and I didn't so, ask for this. But at this point, Victory was walking away. That's why I did that. Victory yeah. was walking back to her room to leave. Where, where is it? Were you in tears? Were you just? Or are you just like? I think hot? I was just angry. Wow. Just, yeah. And then she turns around when I started making a scene, and she's like, "Stop it! Stop it!" And I said, "What?" We got nothing to be ashamed of. Apparently, it's okay for a guy to push a woman around and do that. And and I said, do you want to stand up for him in court? Is that something you're willing to do? Do you want to lie for him? Or what do you, you know, and we get into this and it goes on and on to the point where she's at the door of her hotel room. I go across the hall from her and we're yelling like over the course from 10 o'clock to two in the afternoon. We're talking everybody on that hall is unpacking their rooms people are pulling their luggage between us leaving like checking out and we never stopped and And, just right at each other and what's 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 david doing was he's back in his room was he like i tried he's just just waiting for the the knock on the door (laughs) he's just back watching dateline by himself but then as we went on like we were talking and we had scripture going back and forth we had oh wow got uh, heavy we had everything she accused and yeah it was it so was, what was the tur- what would you say the turning point was was it that day or is it not yeah you know and and again i feel like i get so confused did with Dave, the timeline did david it say just, this is exactly what's gonna happen no he said every everyone is different and sometimes it's nuts okay so mm-hmm. this one was one of the more because again my experience is watching any intervention and a lot of them just bolt a lot of these guys are, it's more drugs mm-hmm. and they're just bolting out and then they have to go find them under a bridge or something like that. Right. For yeah. you, you just, you stayed in the hotel. Mm-hmm. But yeah. how long do you think it was? Well, cause I had, I had called my sponsor the one and that's where I'm, confu- I'm always confused with the timelines here because after the first like day that they tried to talk to me about all of this, 
we ended up we didn't get very far it was an evening i went well, to you bed bro- you she was, broke during well, was the, it that first during the day? four hours yes and it but i thought that With, was like midweek when we start we had that conversation because uh, no, that was that like was first day really in in the hotel so when we had the four hour thing, we go back and forth and then it was somewhere along the line. And you've said before, it was when I talked about oh, a, yeah. a decision. Oh, for sure. Decision. Yeah. But right near the end and like, it wasn't all yelling. Like at one point I'm crying mm-hmm. at some of it, like it's emotional in every which way. And yeah. I'm telling her like how much I care about her and mm-hmm. that, uh, like you name it. Right. And I'm just being totally honest. And there were you know, accusations that she had a thing she had heard about us and we dealt with all sorts of stuff in that time. And then it was right near the end, all of a sudden, or maybe not all of a sudden, but I'm crying, she's crying and she just kind of plunks down on the floor in the hall. And I sit down on the floor in the hall and we're both crying and talking to one another. When she broke that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then tap that keg. And then at that point open. I, I just said like, should we go get David? like is and and she agreed to at that point and so at that point when she agreed to it i ran and i'll just yeah just in that conversation just so you know when i started to actually feel like okay i can sit and listen to this was when terry said um because and again this is just what stan used to say at lamb of god at different times he'd say make a decision or make an informed decision he'd use that a lot which that's a good It's a good thing. Right. And, and so when Terry said that I started thinking and I was like, okay, I can either decide to stay here and get all of the information and then tell my family either, okay, I've listened, I stayed here and I've decided to stay or I've listened to everything and I've decided to leave. And so at that point I was like, okay, I can walk out of here basically I didn't think this way, but with my head held high kind of thing was like, Hey, I sat here, I listened to it, but I'm still going to leave or no, I sat here and I'm going to stay. And so at that point I felt a degree of freedom in knowing like, okay, I can, I can do this. Yeah. And control. Right. And, and so then that's when when I ran downstairs, got David and I'm, I knocked on his door. He came to the door. I'm like, it's on, it's (laughs) on. Let's go (laughs) take off his PJs. But this is mid afternoon, and then so then we we go upstairs, and we basically met. We met for many many hours after, and like like ten hours, like a long time in the room. And but again, that's like a police interrogation. Mm -hmm. After a while, you're just like you're broken down emotionally, to the point where you're susceptible to a lot of things, and so. Where you was the anger? Did you basically go through the twelve steps in one day, almost <laughs> like anger, denial, like right. sadness? Yeah. And she had a ton of questions, though. I mm-hmm. think even even uh, Victory and Jackie's family were. I remember after the end of that day, like as we kind of talked about it after she went back to her room. Um, one of the things that was said, they were just like, "I can't believe how much she knows, like, like how smart she is, like how many." different like uh arguments and and things she had to say like how well she knew the bible or how well she had all her answers or questions prepared and you're trained yeah and and like but then even in that first day you could tell she was starting to like ask real questions like things that she was wondering about and then yeah, that was the first night and then the dumb thing we did not do though is we should have set a time that we were going to meet the next day because we woke up the next day and she called it all off again. Ooh. Yeah. And okay. But that was the first 
glimmer, like again, mm-hmm. thin edge of the wedge. You probably saw the light a bit. The next mm-hmm. day goes back because it's an elastic probably right. it goes back to what you are comfortable mm-hmm. with well I had so my nieces and intentionally they had my nieces spend the night with me in my hotel room and I snuck out of my hotel room and I called my sponsor that night and I said like this is what's happening they brought this guy here and she said to me because again you're never told what to do right so she said if I were you I would I would probably leave like she just said like you have the freedom to make this decision to just get on a plane and fly back. She said, if, if, if it was me, I'd do that. And, and again, she's someone that I look up to someone who's older than me. Right. And so then I feel a degree of weakness if I don't decide to make that decision to get on a plane and walk away Yeah, or fly away. But, um, I ended up going back and the next morning woke up Oof. and I was taking my sweet time again, because I was just, see, that's, that's where I don't know if as much happened the day before, because I showered and I was not responding to text messages that morning because I was just You're not ticked, supposed to. right? Right. <laughs> <don't>, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and so then it took me a really long time to actually go out and, really? and cause so then they thought was that the I, hiking day. When I you made us go on a stupid hike. It was fun though. Johnson's Canyon, Banff. It was a good hike. It wasn't a good hike. No one enjoyed that at all. Awkward conversation. It was was terrible. Yeah, but my dad thought like they went down to the because I was taking so long. I wasn't responding to anyone. Went down to the lobby, talked to the reception desk, and we're like, "Did someone check out?" And I guess that they said that someone did. And Mm -hmm. so then they're like, oh, that's it. She left. So they thought I left for a period of time. And then I end up like responding to messages and then coming out. And then I said, I was like, I came here for a family trip. If we don't go do something, I'm leaving. (laughs) So threatened it again. So then we went on a wonderful family hike up Johnson's Canyon. And then we... What's what? new? Yeah. <laughs> How are How's things? Your week? It was oh so God. awkward. It was, it was terrible. terrible. Well, and then we went to we went back to Banff and planned to go to Earl's for supper. And I, like my nephew Peyton, Terry's son, says, Auntie Vic, do you want to drive with us? And here I am thinking, Oh yeah, it should be safe. Like they're not gonna talk about this in front of the kids. Little did I know. And so I hop in this vehicle with them and I'm like, no, I'm gonna. It's going to be okay. And, and one thing that I look back on before, like, is my nephew was just like sitting there beside me bawling because he knew, like he knew what was going on. He was smart enough to know. And he knew that if this didn't work, that he probably would lose his auntie. And so that's tugging on my heart strings, right? Like part of me is just like, Mm -hmm. don't let it break you. Don't let it break you. Right. Like this is just probably intentional. They probably just want this. It wasn't intentional. That was a total, we were at Johnson's Canyon and I was so irritated. (laughs) Like I can hardly describe it. And my one sister-in-law, I was so mad at because it was like she was totally obtuse. I'm like, I want to get back to the hotel now and get and this on this again. Going, yeah. mm-hmm. And my sister-in-law is like, I think we should go to Earl's in Banff. And I'm like, are you kidding me? It's like in this state. And what family do you think we operate that Earl's is a good idea? And so then... I actually, I was going to like freak on somebody. So I went and walked down by the river just to like cool off. And meanwhile, Peyton just get, he just walks up to Auntie Vic and says, Auntie Vic, come with us. And I didn't even know. So I go to hop in the van and there's Victory walking with Peyton in the van. And I'm like, okay, it's my shot. She's in the van stuck in here with me. So So, do you think that was a turning point in that van? Yeah, that was definitely a step in the right direction. Like we got to Banff and that's when... 
Terry starts just circling the block. Well, we had started like, talking on the way there. We got into it for a while. Look, yeah, we did. Apparently, I believe you. Yeah, um, and you just it's just all the block. a blur, right? Yeah, and he just—I I was in Banff a few weeks ago, and we went drove by that Earl's, and I'm just like, "Yep, I remember this." We just drove around and around, just talking and talking, and the kids are in the vehicle. And at first, I'm like, I was just like, "Like, what are you doing, Terry? Like, your kids are here," and I didn't realize how much they knew. And so we just again kept talking, and Terry would say different things, and I'd throw something back at him or I'd ask a question. And this was very—this was not hostile though. This time, was that it was better? A, it was like a real conversation yeah, as close I don't to a real so one I'm happy you remember that yeah <laughs> and so what was the one thing that stuck that made you kind of see the the light oh man I honestly there's the only time I can point to one specific time was in the hallway when I made that decision to actually stay and listen and feel that freedom if you but, didn't do that yeah but it was just every conversation I had I felt my foundation was crumbling because I felt so solid there. I remember telling people before I left, like, this is the only place I want to be. Like, I want to stay here and I feel solid. And, and then slowly as I like ask different questions or say something that I believe is true, something it's just like counteracted with something that like breaks down my foundation that I thought was so solid and to the point of just like, yeah, just being so broken so down. and getting to the point where you actually decide to leave. Yeah, so what? that was, um, so the week, so it was five days. And they obviously wanted me to make the decision then to leave. But that, I... That so, Earl's night though? Yeah. That was the night that I knew it was going to be okay. Hmm. We okay. went to Earl's and we sat there and I was at one end of the table and Victor was at the other. And as we ate, I just... We kept catching eyes and she wasn't angry and I could tell. And then when we went to leave, we did not, nobody asked her to come with us. And she, when they said who asked Vic where she was going to drive, she, she volunteered Mm -hmm. to go in our van with us. And then it was, but we didn't say a word. We drove from Banff back to Cochrane and, and that was Peyton had started to cry sitting beside victory and Victory started to cry, and Jackie just put on like worship music or whatever, and we just drove back in silence, just with music playing. And by the time we were a couple miles out of Cochrane, Victory was crying, Peyton was crying, Jackie was crying, and pretty soon I was crying. And we just drove back, listening to music and crying, pretty much the whole way back to Cochrane. And then when we got back, Vic could have went wherever. We didn't say we were going to meet mm-hmm. or anything, and she came to our room. And when she came to our room voluntarily, she sat on one of her... Because we were really close with Vic. Like, she lived with us for years, right? Mm-hmm. And and we just didn't have this relationship for a couple years now. And she just went in there voluntarily. And so Jackie and I said to the kids, just go play with your cousins or whatever, because we knew something was up. Mm-hmm. And we sat in there for like three hours. And Vic just was... just It was really like... She was just asking honest, heartfelt questions like when you left, like what were you thinking or what, you know, and this How's real life on the outside and just like a real conversation. And then, then it was from there, the intervention continued for the next few days and David then, was still hanging out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So then we got back in a room with David and then it was like a real, and Vic was like, it wasn't combative. It was like victory honestly wanted to make a decision and she was asking heartfelt questions and, and David has done this for like for 40 years and had actual answers like with 
scriptures and examples from other groups and videos and so he he was well prepared mm-hmm. yeah and that worked yeah and by the end of five days I didn't make a decision to leave at that point I said I needed to go back because I my best friends were there right like I was close with all of them and so I said I need time was Stan said, trying to call you at this time no he was sending emails to everyone and like cc the phone on all of them going, <laughs> oh, going yeah. off the chain. oh yes no he was sending different emails but of things basically to make me feel like feel strong and to like Stand encourage up. me basically to get through this and but then once not, you get back you'll be fine you mm-hmm. just just yeah pretend to go with them and then mm-hmm. i'm assuming yeah yeah basically so and how just, long was it Till you two weeks out. until I left. So I went back and I like, I went back to work for, I would work for half a day and then I would leave and I would drive around Saskatoon. And I've told people this, I would find different park benches around Saskatoon and I would sit and I would just read because I, at that point, I still didn't trust my family, but I didn't trust people at Lamb of God at that point. So oh. I was stuck in the middle there with no one to talk to because I didn't have friends. Were you looking at that. it differently instantaneously mm-hmm. when you went back? Yeah. Were you like, oh my God, how did I not see this? Um, I think it was more so still just trying to inform myself of like to just gather information, right? And But I was critically thinking at that point. Before that intervention happened, there was no critical thinking. I wasn't willing to listen to anyone. But then I started reading and I just started to like fill my head with all of this information so that I could, yeah, just make a decision. Right? And when you announced and leaving, was it similar? 30 second phone calls? No. So it was a Friday that, so we would go and this was a part of our fun social life. We'd go down on Fridays to the ministry and just the women would go and clean. And so that was, we would do some cleaning. Long and so, branch, <laughs> clean the ministry. <laughs> yeah. Sim- similar, uh, definitely yeah. comparable to <laughs> those two. <laughs> and so I hadn't, like, I'd kept my distance from people there just because I still wasn't sure if I was making the right decision. So I remember telling my sponsor, like, well, I don't really want to talk to this person because I'm afraid with all of, like, the stuff that I heard, it's going to impact the girls here because yeah. I still didn't know if it was okay. So... I decided to go to cleaning this one night because, oh no, because it was Friday after work that I, I went that whole two weeks of half of the day. I'm like, okay, I'm going to leave or the day at work, I'm going to leave. And then I get back home, back in that home with my friends. And I talked to my sponsor. It's like, no, I'm going to stay. That went on for two weeks. Significant other telling me you're leaving. Yeah. Yeah. And for two weeks, I just like flip flopped back and forth. And eventually on this Friday, I called Terry, which it sounds so silly, but the amount of effort it took for me to dial that phone number was like, it took everything in me because I was so scared to call him because he was not a good person for me to be talking to, according to Stan, right? Yeah. People, Lamb of God. And so, but I made that call and I just said, I was like, I don't know what to do. I'm going day by day thinking I'm going to leave and I'm going to stay. And I, don't know how to do this. And he said, sometimes you have to just rip the bandaid off and you just got to walk out and then see what happens. And so I decided there I was going to leave, went to cleaning. I didn't tell anyone what I was going to do. I just wanted to say goodbye. And so I, little did they know, I gave them hugs and I'm like basically saying my byes and leave. And then Saturday morning I wake up 
I tell my sponsor that I've decided to leave. And, and again, it's hard to look back now and see even her reaction to that is basically just like, okay, you've decided to give up. Like basically like, really? Like you're, you're leaving. Mm -hmm. And I said, yeah, I said, I just can't, I can't stay here with all of this going on in my head. And I had told myself, and this is what some different people had helped me out with just saying, you don't have to, it doesn't have to be this line drawn in the sand. Like if you leave and you realize like, no, that is actually a good place. I want to go back there. Well then make those steps and Mm -hmm. go back. Right. And so that helped me too to just walk through that. And so I told her I was leaving that afternoon. I hung out with Terry and Jackie and my friend Leah Sunday, my brothers, my family came from Lloyd with a trailer. We packed up all my stuff, moved out. The next week I found a basement suite to move into and I started life over. And that's the beginning of the new victory. Mm -hmm. And how related were you to hear that? It was pretty crazy. Like those two weeks we knew that she was hashing through things. And we also knew that we could, this had to be her decision. Like, you can't throw her in a van and drive away. You know what I mean? And yeah. so it was like we literally had to trust and just let her work through the process. And so after, two, you know, there was a point where she called me. There was one other time where I talked to her in those two weeks. But other than that, it was pretty much we had no idea what was going on. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden on that Saturday, it was Saturday morning, and I still remember Jackie and I were both in the basement and that's where our son's room was. I think we were moving his bed and stuff. And all of a sudden, the phone rings and it's victory. And Jackie answers the phone and she just says, she's leaving. She wants us to go pick her up. And and we weren't in the city. We're in Delisle. So we called Leah to go pick her up and we met her in here. And, and like, I hadn't seen her much in two weeks, but she had lost a ton of weight. She had looked like, like she just, she looked like it had been a rough go. And we tried to get some food in her. Mm-hmm. And then she stayed at our house. And even then, she left, but we still weren't a safe place for her. Like, she stayed in our house a couple of days, and she wanted out. She just couldn't. Good withdrawal, almost. Well, and it was it was still this view of weakness. Like, yeah. for, for in my mind, it's like if people see that, oh, I've decided to leave, and I'm staying at Terry and Jackie's house. Like, their home was open to me. If I wanted to live there for a period of time, there were so many other people who were offering their homes for me to stay at. Like, so much support. Mm-hmm. But because I couldn't look at that point, like I was depending on them, that's why weakness. I ended up finding well, my own place. Say, to you things like that yeah like, oh you're gonna leave and go yeah you know this is go live with terry and jackie or, so this yeah. is two years later mm-hmm. and you're i can still it's still an emotional thing thinking back to it mm-hmm. reliving the whole thing and uh how do you think you're different now than when you were back then <laughs> Oh man, well, well I've uh, put on some weight. I can eat now. If you look at my MasterCard statement, you can see that I'm really good at ordering skip the dishes and getting good food. <laughs> like, it feels I, like, yeah. Do you think that you, like they always talk about going mm-hmm. clear, right? Mm-hmm. Like, Do you feel like there's some yeah. sort of clarity now? Oh, like yeah. you're oh, seeing, for sure. How do you look at the world now? Yeah. Because another thing is that you guys, uh, you're still part of the church now. Mm-hmm. So it's, and I, I think that's kind of an interesting thing because sometimes a lot of people leaving what you would call a cult mm-hmm. typically just go, I'm done with any sort of like yeah. follow mm-hmm. 
following kind yeah. of thing. So it is kind of an interesting thing oh, to be sure. still part. Are you still part of the church then too? Like, mm-hmm. So you've just mm-hmm. kind of found a healthy relationship mm-hmm. that makes more sense? Yeah. Like I, today now I am obviously more open to having conversations with people, right? Like, cause before I was so just single minded and, and now it's like, I want to be challenged, right? On my faith and what I believe and I'm learning every day, right? I'm asking questions on a regular basis of things that, okay, I don't get this. This doesn't make any sense to me, but the fact that I am now at this place where I am open to that, right? It's not like, it's like, no, this is, this is what I believe and what you believe is wrong. And I'm not going to talk to you about it. Mm -hmm. It's like, I want to have those conversations and I want to, I want to learn and I want to grow and which that's a huge change from two years. Right. And, Mm -hmm. and I also, I had a lot of support, um, like just even in like going back to a church. Cause I, it was a couple months until I started going back. And the reason I went, so I went back to Elam and that was for me, it was just a safer place because it was a larger church. Mm-hmm. Terry and Jackie went there. And so I knew I wasn't going to get people coming up to me and being like, oh, welcome. Like, where did you used to go to church? <laughs> it was like, that still happened periodically, but it was easier to hide. And because if you said Lamb of God Ministries, would people be like, ooh. Oh, no, it wasn't the name. They wouldn't really know. It was more yeah. so just letting. Trying it, to explain it. Yeah, it's trying a, to explain where I was mm-hmm. for 10 ask, years. people ask say Lamb of God, oh, what's, where's yeah, that? What kind what's of that, church what's is that? 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 <laughs> yeah. how, how much time do you have? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, oh, exactly. And they, yeah, and I've had so many interesting conversations over the past couple of years. But I've, and again, I'm still learning, but I've come to see how the view of God that I was taught a lamb of God is not who he actually is. And he's not this rigid God of these rules and regulations. And if you screw up, I'm coming down with the hammer or you have to dress this way. You have to act this certain way. That is not who I, which is funny because that was the initial draw that it wasn't like that. Mm -hmm. A real Mm -hmm. kind of bait and switch. Yeah. eh? Yeah. And, (laughs) and now it's, it's pretty cool to be able to see, like, I, I grew up in a Christian home and then went to Lamb of God, and now now I'm learning what I believe for myself, right? Like, it's not based on, okay, what my family believes. It's not based on these different, like, there's there's influence in my life, right? But mm-hmm. I can I can ask questions. I can see, okay, well, that doesn't make any sense to me or that doesn't seem right, you know? Mm-hmm. But it's it's pretty amazing to be able to actually learn for myself. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and know that it's okay to ask questions and it's okay to have doubts and it's okay to like, it's okay to have dark days because I had dark days and I had days where I like, because it was so hard and I didn't know how to even handle life. I would want to drive my vehicle in front of oncoming traffic just to, just because I didn't know how to handle it. And that was, it, it just kind of, it was an up and down thing, right? Like some days were amazing. The fact that you're free and you have this chance to like restart. Yeah. And to make these, yeah, just to like, what, what do I want to do with my life? Do I want to go to university? Do I want to like all of this stuff The it's, it's open to me. Right. And, but then there's the lows of yeah. not having that foundation and yeah. support structure that you're so comfortable yeah, with. Exactly. Terry, like what, what's life like for you now? Compared to then, you've been out of it a little bit longer. Yeah, it. Uh, I don't know. There, there is still days where 
Sorry. Um, especially with the kids, like, like my daughter is going to turn 16. She's going to get her license right away. And, uh, and when we first left, it was tough because like there were nights that the kids are all in their rooms crying because they've lost all their friends and people on the way to school are telling them that our family is going to go to hell and that we're going to stand before God in judgment and their dad is taken over by Satan and all this stuff. And so there was working through all that. And then when we got through that, there's just riding through this ride with victory, you know, and she lived on her own for almost a year and then moved back in with us for, mm-hmm. for a while. And, and, and then we've been fortunate enough to walk beside some other people who have left as people slowly trickle out. And, and with each one, it's like, you see them going through all the same stuff that we went through and it's so tough to watch and you can't really fix it overnight. You know what I mean? They There's just no, have to go through this. They steps. just have to go through it. And, and so there's all that up and down, but then there's the other side of it where I'm just, there's still times that I can't even believe that we made it through semi unscathed. Like I got four kids and they're, they're doing well. Mm-hmm. They get to play sports. They get to, it was within, it was about like, we just kind of were hands off with the kids, let them go through things on their own, like talking to them, but not pushing anything, letting them go through at their own pace. And it was probably, I don't know, maybe a couple months out and my daughter was up getting water just before bed. Or I'd come out of bed, get water, and we were on the couch and talking. And I just said, Alex is her name. I said, Alex, like, how are you doing? And she said, good. You know, she's really, she doesn't give too much info to without being. <laughs> and I just said, like, you mind me asking you a question? She said, sure. I said, what, what, would, your, what would your life what did you think your life was going to be like before we left? And she said, I just figured that I would grow up. I'd get moved into one of the houses. I would get just a, a medial, like she wouldn't have said the word medial, but just like a, a normal job, like a secretary or something that wouldn't take much time. And I would be down, I would never get married and I would be down at the ministry working all the time. And and it was then it was like, cause even at that point, that's when I was through some really low times too, where I was just like, I don't know if I can, I don't know if I can make it through this. Like there were days where I'm just like, I don't know if I'm going to get through this. And I've never been depressed. I didn't, I've never been low to be honest. And there were days where I'm sitting on the bathroom at home on the bathroom floor and I'm crying and, and I didn't know if I was going to get through it. I just didn't. And, and now I look and like, Yesterday I'm in PA and I'm watching my daughter play volleyball all day and and she wants to be a teacher and she's working, you know, she's and in grade 10 life. and she's, that's what she's working towards. And they all have things they can work towards and and they have questions and, and we have the freedom to look for answers and, and talk about things openly and and I don't... And yeah, like we'll, I'll do this podcast. I'll be open with whoever. And, and for the first while it was so embarrassing to say anything, but now it's just like so freeing to just be who I am. Like, yeah, we screwed up maybe 13 years. We had a speed bump or whatever, but I don't, I don't ever go to work and I don't have to be one person there and somebody else at home and somebody else somewhere else. And it's probably just in the last year that 
even the last six months, I'll be at work or different places and I don't feel my adrenaline going and something feels wrong. And I almost, there's times where I'm driving and I'm like, why am I not worried? Yeah, but I'm just, yeah, just because I got so used to my adrenaline was going all the time for over a decade. And, and now as my brain starts to slow down a bit and my, you know, and sometimes I almost, I still am almost fearful waiting for the other shoe to drop because it feels like things aren't tough enough right now. And as weird as that is to say, so that's what it's like right now. That's unbelievable. You know, I, and I think that's a perfect way to kind of tie the the bow on the story. And I know you have so much more to talk about, but I just feel like, you know, I'm not going to call you guys brave for leaving because I know how you mentioned that you don't want to be called that. It's more just it's the, it was the right decision you guys obviously did for yourself. And again, there's people still in there. And yeah. if you had one message that you wanted everybody to know or the world to know, what would you want to kind of say? I think if I were to say anything, it is no matter what the situation is, the thing that I was shocked with is when you're in the middle of something or in a situation like we were in, it feels like there's no way out and it feels like no one would understand and no one would have any idea. And for the first year, maybe two years, I was shocked at every time that I thought that somebody would just look at us and be like, you're crazy. And some people have, and that's fine. But more than more often than not, people are, people are understanding and, and this is maybe the extreme, mm-hmm. but everybody knows what it feels like to have maybe dated somebody and you thought they were one person they, they weren't, or you took a job and you were totally bamboozled or you got taken in by a multi-level marketing or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, the funny thing is, is when we finally actually kind of opened up and talked to people, how many people came up to us and was like, I was in something mm-hmm. like that or, yeah. and it still happens very regular. Mm-hmm. Like just on Tuesday, a kid called me and he's in a group or whatever. And he had heard a different podcast that we did. And I talked to him for like an hour and a half and, and he's in the same thing. And he heard what we had said and he's just, it sounded like his deal. So I would just say like, it's okay to critically think it's okay to, to have thoughts and, and we all have a worldview and a belief system and, and it's okay to question it because if there is a legitimate belief system out there, it's, it'll hold up under questioning. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and, uh, yeah. What about you, Victory? Yeah. Your um, final message. I, I think it's like, just obviously for people listening to this, you can think like how create uh, for some people like how does someone stay in that right or like what are those people doing there but I know I think it's just for people to know that they are incredible people with amazing hearts who are there who are just stuck and who are under the influence of someone with a lot of power and but they are if you yeah for any person if you were to come in contact with anyone like they are amazing people and and I will never say anything different. Like, no, exactly. Like they've things that were said to me or things that have been said after, I know that it's because of the influence of the group, right? I do not believe that it is their intention and their heart to hurt people, Mm -hmm. but that's just, that's what they're in. And they're very intelligent. On that note, I do want to give you guys something. And I, I know you guys are, uh, Christians. (laughs) So like, (laughs) 
maybe mainstream music ain't your jam, but this is the only thing I got going. I don't have any worship mainstream bands or anything. Mainstream music is still our jam. Yes, okay, <laughs> that's good. I know some people that are like, you can't listen to this. This is the yeah. doubles music, but I got two records for you guys can always have. And look at this. Diana Ross for you because oh, that's amazing. that's Thank a lady you. of strength, and then for you I got <laughs> Air Supply, <laughs> Lost in Love, yes. and maybe that's where you were for a bit. You were lost in love. <laughs> Thank it's you amazing. very much. <laughs> okay, it's amazing that you could share this story, and hopefully we didn't talk about something that was too. Uh, you know, borderline for you guys, but no, I, I just want to say thanks yeah. a lot, you guys. No Thank problem. you. 